Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The end of another week, week 20. A lot of websites. Don't, I, I know what you're doing here. I know it. You heard me say 20 and a number of you went, ah, Dan, mine says 19, but you know what I mean, guys. If you're page where you play says week 19 it's because it combined the all-star break into one very long week this is actually the 20th week of the season fantasy nba basketball rolls along incredibly we're really coming down the stretch now we're in march and i believe there are only five weeks left in the regular season the weeks that start the 6th 13th 20th 27th and then the week of april 3rd that ends on uh, the 9th, which I think is the last day of the regular season, right? Am I getting that right? I'm pretty sure. And then the play-in is, what, the 11th or 12th or something like that? Either way, we are more than 75% of the way through our season. It is going to become harder and harder to make gains in your Roto Leagues. I don't know why I left that. And it's also, uh, on the head-to-head side, it's playoff time. So you got to be leaning into stuff right now. So let's take a look at our weekend review. We also, our weekend preview on this show is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to be doing just a typical, hey, this is the what to watch for in each ball game coming up. If you want that part, I'll say it here at the front end of the show, if you want our traditional... Uh, like what to look for in each ball game over the weekend. We'll be doing that on social media. I'll try to get one of those out each day, frankly. So you'll have the Friday, the Saturday, the Sunday ones on this show, because I believe a ton of uh, playoffs start on Monday for a lot of folks. Most of my leagues actually start the week after and just cut off the final week of the regular season. But I know a lot of folks start this coming Monday. We're going to do a little long streaming preview here uh, on the podcast as well. So a lot to cover today. Let's just dive right on in. Um, Start with the ads. That's where we go first. Oh, I didn't even say hi. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot here. I'm Dan Bespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today at Dan Bespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This show, as always, is a Sports Ethos presentation. SportsEthos.com, the website, Ethos Fantasy BK, the basketball feed. And please do check out Ethos Fantasy BB for our burgeoning, blossoming fantasy baseball operation here at Sports Ethos. Okay, now we can do the ads. First one on the board. These are in no particular order. DeLon Wright. Things have been going nicely for DeLon lately, and his path opened up further with the injury to Monte Morris, who's expected to miss, they called him week-to-week it's not even day-to-day. The one thing I don't like about DeLon in the starting five is that he really doesn't get to do very much outside of orchestrate and play a ton of defense, but honestly, that's enough for him in a lot of circumstances. And if you want to look at his most recent ball game, he set his season high in assists with 11. He had six boards. He had three steals, seven points, including a three-pointer. So, you know, even if he's not scoring, he's getting it done in a bunch of other ways. Uh, and... I actually personally believe that they're better with more DeLon Wright out there. I know Monte Morris is sort of your like kind of quiet, safe producer at point. Uh, but Wright is a far superior defender 
And so they're getting some of that. And they won a pretty tough ball game yesterday. They beat a Raptors team that's been coming on a little bit of late. Um, so I feel like the Wizards have to feel pretty good about their victory on Thursday night. Uh, if for no other reason, then it kept them, actually moved them into a tie with the Raptors for the nine seed. And they're only a game back of the Hawks. So Washington not going anywhere right now. They're battling for that last spot. They want it, for better or worse. They want it bad. Um, and that's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Two San Antonio Spurs on this board, and it's the ones coming back from injury. Devin Vassell, Trey Jones, they each came back on Thursday. I don't feel like this needs a ton of explanation. Uh, on the head-to-head side, these guys are going to be more difficult to roster because they will likely get back-to-backs off. Their ramp-up is not going to be at a particularly high pace here because the Spurs have nothing to play for. So this is an easier call on the Roto side by a lot. I think Vassell in particular is good enough where you can add him even on head-to-head starting, well, let's see, doesn't the, the Spurs, the Spurs have a back-to-back coming up over the weekend, I believe, yeah, and then they're off for four days, so this is kind of a hard time to pick those guys up if you're on the head-to-head side of the ledger. I think if you were eyeballing next Friday, a week from today, when this show's airing, when they start a stretch where they play... With There is a back-to-back or two mixed in there, but their schedule is really heavy starting on that Friday, pretty much to the end of most fantasy playoffs. They play 10 games over the span of 17 days. That's a, that's a pretty damn good ratio. Uh, but you're going to get one low-minute game out of those dudes this weekend would be my very strong guess. So Roto add them now. Head-to-head, you probably add them a little bit later. We talked a bunch about him earlier in the week, but Dennis Smith Jr. is one of our ads of the week. He he and DeLon Wright are going to be posting remarkably similar fantasy lines for the foreseeable future with LaMelo Ball down for the season. I know that uh, Dennis Smith didn't play 32 minutes in their last ball game, but I think there will be days where he plays 30 minutes, depending on kind of how it's going for him. Uh, but, you know, high 20s is enough. He's going to rack up Rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks from a point guard spot. That's pretty sweet. A a point guard that's going to get you both defensive stats is delightful. So um, add, and let's hope that some of the upside kicks in. Even if it doesn't, I think he's inside the top 100, but there's a way for him to climb a little higher. I don't know why I put these two dudes on separate lines for our live YouTube viewers today, but Kelly Oubre Jr. is the other name on Charlotte. Maybe I gave him his own line because his story's pretty different. Ubre is an ad because he's now fully ramped up. He was an ad last week because he wanted to get out in front of it, and he was probably, frankly, an ad the week before that when it started to sound like he was getting close to coming back from his wrist injury. And the nice part about hand, wrist, whatever stuff is there doesn't have to be the typical conditioning ramp up. You know, he can run and jump and exercise and all that stuff while he's rehabbing his injury. And now with LaMelo going down, Ubre's going to, He's just going to go crazy the rest of the way. Kevin Love is an ad. He's probably my least favorite name in this ad's bucket. But as long as he's starting for Miami, he could be, should be probably, starting for a fantasy team. And it's not going to be pretty. He's bad defensively. Has been throughout his career. But when he was younger, he was at least able to sort of fudge it enough with decent defenders around him. Now he's too slow for that. 
So with apologies to Kevin Love, this is not our, my intention is not to sit here and make fun of Love because he's had a really nice NBA career, but the Heat are grasping at straws a little bit. I don't think that he's made them better starting him, starting Love over Caleb Martin. So my guess, and again, this is all just kind of reading tea leaves and, and sort of seeing how teams are trying stuff out. This is very much a tryout for Love in Miami. And if they lose a few more ball games or don't look particularly good, even in a couple of wins, they probably flip back and Love becomes a guy that can come off the bench, score a little bit, get some boards, maybe start some fast breaks, things of that nature. I So that to say, I don't think he's going to stick in the starting lineup the rest of the year, but as long as he is in the starting lineup, he should also be in our starting lineups. I'm skipping over one name on my board for the folks watching, and I'm going to come back to Tari Eason. I want, he's the last ad I want to talk about. I want to talk about Matisse Thibel, who's been outstanding, and now with Anthony Simons re-aggravating his ankle injury, I would expect Thibel to post solid numbers for pretty much however long he's out. Uh, I don't think they're going to be as big as they have been lately, but he does seem to have a confidence in Portland that he was just never going to have in Philadelphia playing alongside Harden and Embiid. It's really hard. You, I mean, we've seen it with DeAnthony Melton. When you're on the court with those dudes, there's just nothing for you. And I think you see a little bit of that of guys that play with LeBron as well, where they start to feel almost guilty if a good decision doesn't work out. What we know with LeBron is that if somebody's making a good decision, even if it doesn't work, he's generally pretty positive about yelling at them to keep shooting, whatever. I don't know that we know that to be the case in Philly, and, and kind of what we're seeing around those guys is uh, a certain hesitation. And I don't know if that's something we could ever read into or if anyone would ever deep dive it. I don't have the time for it. But uh, the point is now, Thibault's in Portland, a team that plays less defense, a team that wants to move a little quicker, less half-courty than Philadelphia. So get out and roll. Um, and right now, he's getting even a handful of shots, which is kind of a big deal. Jared Vanderbilt. I know you guys have been annoyed with his last couple of ball games, but Vanderbilt's going to have to play a ton tonight in particular for the Lakers. I still think he's an ad for the rest of the year. Maybe you guys disagree with me on that one. If you disagree with me on ad for the rest of the year, I think you might be hard-pressed to disagree with me on an ad for right now because the Lakers have the Timberwolves coming up here, and you can bet your butt that Vanderbilt is going to be the primary defender on Anthony Edwards as often as humanly possible because there just ain't anybody else on the Lakers that stands the most remote chance in hell of stopping that dude. Hell, even slowing them down. I don't know that any of those guys can do it. I think Vanderbilt at least has a fleeting chance of kind of slowing down Edwards because he's big and long, and he presents a difficult matchup for anybody on the opposition outside of the biggest dudes and the fastest dudes. Anyone in between, Vanderbilt has played really well against so far for L.A. Brandon Ingram and Luka Doncic are probably the two most prime examples of that, but you'll see he'll have the task again tonight, so he's going to have to play a ton. And provided Vanderbilt's not in foul trouble tonight, I think he has a pretty good ball game. And now Tari Eason is the last one on the ads board. Um, 
I still am not completely convinced that the Rockets are going to dole him out 25-plus minutes, but we've also seen his fantasy game is unbelievably good. And so you just have to stay in front of this one. On the chance, 10%, 20%, whatever it might be, that it does even semi-stick, you want to make sure you're there to get it. But also be aware that it might not work. So don't freak out if that's the case. The chopping block. I changed the name. It's not drops anymore because drops is too cruel and there's too much gray area. This is the chopping block. Josh Okogie is on the chopping block. I would give him one more game to see how things go with Kevin Durant, but it does seem like his role may shrink to a point where even with hustle stats, it might not be enough because a lot of his value here lately for Okogie was actually tied up in his ability to hit some three-pointers. And I don't know if maybe those go away. I feel like they probably do. Bobby Portis is on the chopping block. I thought for sure he would carve out a 20-21 minute role here, even with Jay Crowder in town, even with Middleton ramping up his minutes, even with Pat Connaughton coming back from injury. But so far, it hasn't been the case. It feels weird because Milwaukee uh, TV broadcasts and, and the sort of media circle has been hyping him up as a possible sixth man of the year candidate, and now they're just sort of not really playing him. Some of it was blowout. Some of it was matchup. I think he'll be better here in the short term, which is why I want to give him at least two more games before we make a call on someone who had been, for almost two full seasons now, pretty damn reputable. That was Portis. The last name on the chopping block is Sadiq Bey, who has actually been getting some minutes. You know, the Hawks gave up... Was that the five... Was that one of the five second rounder deals? I can't remember. Who cares? Either way, he's a little bit buried. I firmly believe someone on that team needs to be hurt for Sadiq Bey to get enough shots to get into that fantasy mix. He might get the playing time, but the reason that he had fantasy value in Detroit was that when he was on the floor, he was just firing. You know, a shot every other minute, basically. And that hasn't been the case in Atlanta. It's been more like a shot every three and a half minutes. That's not enough for him to sustain fantasy value. Those are the three names on the chopping block. The holds are the next name on the board. These are always the most fun for me, and I, I, I honestly believe they probably need about as much explanation as the ads. They're the two where you kind of need to tell people your reasoning. The holds are Gary Trent Jr., because everybody's going to panic after one bad game for everybody. That's the way fantasy works. There are days where I get annoyed, and I'm like, why does everybody panic after one bad ball game? And then I remember, that's just how it is. It's not a big deal. But hold on, because I hate that I have to do this explanation, but did anybody ask what to do with Gary Trent his first two games off the bench? Not really, because he got 13 shots in each of those, and that's enough for him. No, it's not going to be as fun as when he was getting 16 as a starter with Van Fleet out or whatever, uh, but 13 is, is sufficient. He had five threes, two steals, five boards, and he made his free throws in the previous game. He just had a clunker. Everybody has a clunker. Also, bear in mind, someone's probably going to get hurt on the Raptors soon. That's just how it works for this team. Someone's going to miss a game here in the next, like, week and a half. And Gary Trent's the guy that slides into the starting lineup every time now. Daniel Gafford is kind of the surprise hold of the day. I thought for sure he was going to fizzle with Porzingis coming back, but Gafford still got 31 minutes in that game against Toronto. 
perhaps they do want to lean more into the defensive side. Gafford, alongside guys like Porzingis and Beal, is more playable. Uh, and Kuzma, I should add him in there, because you've got three very offensive-minded dudes in the starting five, and then you can throw in a DeLon Wright and a Daniel Gafford to kind of shore up the defensive side of the ball. And Wright, or Gafford, excuse me, was one of the best plus-minus dudes on the Wiz in Thursday's game. He was a plus-12. Interestingly, the only player who had a better plus-minus was Corey Kispert, who was a plus-19 in 24 minutes. That's called being in the right unit at the right time. Sorry, I didn't mean to take credit away from Corey Kispert, but I also doubt that any of you care that I took credit away from Corey Kispert. So hold on to Daniel Gafford. Uh, not indefinitely. I, you know, We saw Porzingis come back from a previous injury, and Gafford, his minutes dwindled quickly. Same with the Kyle Kuzma return. But maybe this is the start of something new. And you don't want to miss out on Gafford if he really is going to hold on to starters' minutes because we've talked about it. As a full-time starter playing 28-plus minutes, Gafford can go top 60 or higher. He has a nice fantasy game. DeAnthony Melton. I don't think anybody's surprised by him popping up on the holds board. Uh, he's been on our holds board for about two straight weeks because every time we get close to sending him out to pasture, he pulls a few things back together again. And Melton's coming off a monster game against Dallas on Thursday night. 12 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, 2 threes, 5 steals in 31 minutes off the bench, which I love the big bench minutes. He's just so much better as a reserve. He's so much better not getting buried behind Embiid and Harden. And now he's basically out there with one or the other for a lot of his playing time instead of both. That's a huge difference. Because Embiid had a usage rate of 38, Harden 25, Tyrese Maxey 29. Those guys all played together somehow. Or they started the game together. So then how... like. How is Melton going to come in with even two of those three guys and say, yeah, you know, my turn now. But with a bench unit, he can pick on other teams' bench units. He can get a few more shots up. He can gamble a little bit more on defense. They can get out and run more in those units. That's probably the most important thing for him. So, yeah, he's a hold, the least surprising hold, perhaps, of the day. Cole Anthony is the other hold. We, I, I honestly don't know what to do with Cole Anthony. I'd like to come on here and tell you that I know exactly what to do with every player in the NBA in fantasy, but that's just not the case for all of us in the fantasy analyst side. Sometimes I think it's okay to just come out and say, you know what, I'm not sure. So I'm going to hold on to him because his minutes trended back up in their last ball game. Was that the anomaly? Were the low-minute games the, the trend? We'll find out soon enough. Um... The trouble with a guy like Cole Anthony is I do I do find it hard to play him in a games cap roto format because you just don't really know which 30-minute Cole or 8-minute Cole you're going to get on a given night. But head-to-head, -head, he's a pretty easy play to go every day because he does contribute in a lot of different categories. And, you know, you just have to hope that you get, like, two good ones out of every three or two good ones out of every four. Josh Richardson is a hold. He stunk in their last ball game, but he was dealing with an injury. So the question is, was that the reason he stunk, or was he just bad? Or was it that Trey Murphy got hot, and so it forced Richardson into a stinker? We'll find out soon.
Pelicans are playing here plenty of times. Their schedule's totally fine over the next little bit. Pels are, they go tonight, they're off for a couple of days, but then they got four games next week. So we'll get plenty of data on New Orleans over the next, I don't know, four or five days. Though I get it, though, on the head-to-head side, that's a team where you might consider dropping dudes after tonight. Like, if Richardson doesn't play well this one, and you've got the weekend wide open, flip over to a team that's got a weekend back-to-back, like San Antonio or Houston, and you gain two games the rest of this week. So I do realize, I'm aware, you don't have to tell me, that uh, someone like a Josh Richardson or Herb Jones or whoever for this Pels team if they're not great, they're candidates to get cut to maximize games the rest of this week. I get it. And then Christian Wood is the last name on the holds board. I don't think that anybody is dropping Wood. Uh, I do think there's a chance that he starts to get dropped if this becomes the trend. Because he had played 18 minutes against Indiana, left with an injury early in that one, but it, it wasn't severe enough to keep him out of their next ball game and only played 14 minutes against Philadelphia because that's a game where uh, the Mavs badly needed someone to try to deal with the Sixers' offensive attack. Because the Sixers were scoring at will. It was just that the Mavericks scored at will plus. I don't know that Christian Wood is going to be more than about a 20- to 22-minute guy the rest of this year. So expect top 100 maybe even slightly behind that kind of productivity. And then you just kind of have to hope that another center maybe goes down. But otherwise, you're in a tight spot. The watch list now. Only four names on the watch list. Although there might be more than usual. I don't remember how many are usually on the watch list. Jonathan Kaminga's on the watch list. I don't think this is going to be a thing once Steph and Wiggins come back, but keep one eye on him. Patrick Beverly is on the watch list after one uh, productive fantasy game for Chicago, but he's played the minutes out there. So the question just sort of becomes, was this a sign of him carving out a role with the Bulls, or was this just a one-off where, you know, rebounds came his way a little bit more often and assists the guy he was passing to made the shots a little bit more often than than usual. That's probably the case, but that's why we put a guy like this on the watch list in case it was the former. Jay Lynn Williams, L-I-N, uh, with Kenrick Williams going down for the Thunder. Does this mean that Jalen Williams now has the inside track to mid to high 20s minutes at the center position? I don't know. There was video floating around of Alexei Pokashevsky working out late after practice. If he comes back, you might see him at center some more. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is uh, upright these days. So in all likelihood, Jay Lynn Williams probably won't be more than a schedule streamer at any point the rest of this year. But you never know because silly season does silly things. And the Thunder actually have a 5-7 and seven starting on March 23rd. So if your league goes late as hell... That's a great spot. That's a Thursday through the following Wednesday. You can get five games in seven days out of the Thunder. We're looking way the crap down the line. And then Trey Murphy is the last name on the watch list because he had a big ball game off the bench. Can he repeat it? Can he find consistency? I'm leaning towards probably not unless he gets pushed back to the starting five. As a bench player, it's harder uh, for a team that basically needs to win every ball game. So the leash is not going to be long. Uh, but he should at least be on the watch list. By the way, can I just... I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I took so much heat 
from people that were like, Dan, the fact that you haven't listed Trey Murphy as a rest of season ad is a travesty and I'll have receipts. That was a post on in at Sports Ethos on the uh the post that goes up when I when I when a podcast gets uploaded. And it was a comment that was like, We have receipts. And I was like, okay, fine. I got to go on my show the following day and I got to talk about how the re. This was actually someone who was fighting with me that I had Trey Murphy on the injury replacement board. Not even that I, I was calling him a drop or something. It was just that I was still calling him a stream. And I said, look, we still haven't seen him post numbers inside the top 140 when the Pels are healthy. Friends, we still haven't. It's looking more and more as the season goes like Trey Murphy really was an injury replacement play for Brandon Ingram. Did that person come back into my thread to apologize for coming at me guns blazing? Nah, but that's okay. You guys can do that, and I have to be over on this side, getting them right, getting them wrong, and wearing it. Got that one right, by the way, so in your eye. Injury streamers. We'll go through this one quickly because it's just a name and who they pair with. TJ McConnell, if Tyrese Halliburton misses any more time. Mason Plumley, if Ivica Zubats misses any more time. Those guys might be, well, I think Halliburton's probably going to be back in the next ballgame for Indy. Zubats might mix another one, so keep an eye on Plumley. Dante DiVincenzo uh, probably hangs in there until both Steph and Wiggins are back for the Warriors, but... Again, if if we're really talking about Steph coming back on Sunday, of course, against the Lakers, that's how, that's how it always goes. DiVincenzo definitely takes a hit there, but is it enough to knock him off his, his current lot all the way down to cut or just part of the way? James Wiseman, and then I put a note on this one that says shudders, so I have to say James Wiseman while shuddering. <laughs> Wiseman. More of a points league ad, uh, but again, if he's playing 30 minutes, that's probably going to be enough points and rebounds to be kind of worth your while, at least on the head-to-head side. It's gross. Xavier Tillman's been getting a bunch of starts here lately for the Grizzlies while they've been playing better, which means he'll probably continue to start. I think they'll do less of the matchup stuff now that they're winning ball games again. Uh, so Tillman's an interesting little stream. Although I feel like Steven Adams should be back relatively soon. They keep saying he's getting close, and then there's then it just sort of disappears for like three games. Whatever. Uh, Anthony Davis is probable for the Lakers, so it's just the guards and wings that we're looking at right now. No LeBron, no D'Antono, uh, D'Antono, D'Angelo Russell. Trying to combine D'Angelo Russell and D'Anthony Melton. That would be An- D'Anthony Muscle. Dennis Schroeder's a stream. Malik Beasley's a stream. Austin Reeves is probably a stream for the Lakers, while both Braun and D'Lo are out. Isaiah Joe is your streamer in OKC while SGA remains in COVID protocols. Taylor Horton Tucker and Chris Dunn are your streams in Utah while Colin Sexton is out. And Slow-Mo, who at this point might just be considered a play because Cat's been out for, what, three months? And there's no sign of him getting back anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we can just probably say Kyle Anderson is is a fantasy play. He's number 93 on the season, and that's including a first month and a half where Cat was playing, uh, where Kyle was outside the top 150. Basically, since Cat went down, which is, I think, effectively three months now. Hasn't it been about that long? 
I forget the exact day. Since that time, slow-mo's inside the top 70. He's averaged about 10 points, six boards, five assists, over a steal, about a block, 51% from the field, 75 at the free throw line. He's been really, really good. That's a sixth, that's a late sixth rounder, and he's been doing it for 35 games now. The only reason there were ever any questions on Kyle Anderson was this back stuff. He had those spasms that were kind of coming and going for like two and a half weeks in there, and it made him really hard to roster during that span. But otherwise, he's been brilliant. And buy low, sell high is Devin Booker and only Devin Booker, and he's both a buy low and a sell high, or maybe I should say he's either or none, because it has, it it's ba- built entirely on how the manager of Devin Booker feels about him in your league. Right now, I think public opinion is pretty split because a lot of folks saw him have a huge ball game in Kevin Durant's return on Wednesday. And a lot of folks then said, oh, he'll be fine. No problem. And I think a lot of folks look at Devin Booker and know Kevin Durant is ramping up although he did play 26 minutes in his first game. It's pretty sweet. That's more than we ever expected for KD. But he'll ramp that up into the 30s, and he'll ramp his shots up into at least the high teens, possibly around 20 per ball game for Durant, because, look, he's probably the best offensive player in the world. He should be taking a lot of shots. At some point, it's going to put a dent into Booker, but perhaps people looking at that and going, oh, no, and panicking on Book. Which one is right and which one is wrong? They're probably both right and they're probably both wrong. The reality is that Booker is going to take a hit with Kevin Durant in town. It's going to happen because KD's going to take a crap ton of shots and his efforts, plus Josh Okogie, whoever you want to slot in next to him, that's going to be more usage than the healthy Phoenix Suns combination of Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. But it's not going to be by much. It's going to be a little bit more, but not by much. It's just that things gravitate towards KD in a way that things didn't gravitate towards Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. Those guys took plenty of shots, but it was all kind of in the rhythm of the Phoenix offense. It was off a pass from Chris Paul, off a pass from Devin Booker. Now you've got KD, who's going to be starting more possessions. So there's just going to be this... I mean, gravity is really the word you want there. There's just a gravity to KD that those other guys didn't have, and it changes the way shots come and usage comes for a guy like Devin Booker. So feel it out is the short version of this. Feel it out in your league. Figure out if the team that has Book is worried about him or feeling really good about him, and you might be able to make a play on that. And look at that. Dano did a slideshow on YouTube today. I feel pretty good about what I've accomplished. I'm going to close that down now. I don't even need to save it because it's all over on Twitter as well. If you missed any of those names, at Dan Bespris, I did a thread about 10 minutes before I, I started the live YouTube show. If you're looking for what time that tweet went out, it was at about 9.20 a.m. Pacific time. So you can dig into that, and you can see all the names that we just talked about here on this show. Uh, For everybody that's listening, please do think about joining us for a live show here in the not-too-distant future. It's really easy to find. It's youtube.com slash sportsethos. I think probably a 
like two or three of you are going over there every day and thinking, you know what, I will give this thing a shot. I try to get this show going in the early nines whenever possible. Uh, harder than this week and next week because um, I'm on double kid drop-off, so everything gets pushed back by like 35 minutes in the morning. But that's the goal, and I hope you'll join us for that. Those of you that are watching live right now, as always, I'll ask you to please consider liking and subscribing to our YouTube page, uh, 20 some odd likes on the show, even though 70 or 80 of you are actually watching right now, or 60 some odd, doesn't matter. Um, please do like and subscribe. And if there's something that's holding you back on that front, let me know. You can put it in the chat room, you can tweet at me, and I'll try to take a look at it because, you know, guys, no, I don't have a ton of resources for these things, but I'm just trying to sort of grind my way through it and continue to grow this YouTube page, and lately it's been working, which is super cool. So um, click that like and subscribe, join us over there, and again, please do follow me over on Twitter, at Dan Baspris. We'll be doing so much over there um, every day. We work really hard on Twitter to make sure you guys have the best fantasy info as early as humanly possible. So the look-ahead part of today's show is going to be different, and frankly, it's going to be different for basically every show here going forward. The look-ahead is not just going to be what's coming up for all 30 teams this weekend. We'll do that over on social media, at Dan Vespers. The look-ahead now is going to be about streaming. And actually, let's see if I can get this thing posted... Okay, we got that going. Streaming board is ready to go. Everybody that's watching uh, live, you guys can enjoy the visual aid. To those that are listening, I'll do my very best to uh, try to line this thing up for you. So we are now on Friday, March 3rd, and we're starting to look towards next week. All right? So this discussion right now is being treated as though you are headed into the start of your fantasy playoffs and you don't have to worry too much about what's going on this weekend. But even if you do need to worry about what's going on this weekend, you can do that by just approaching this from basically like a 10-day standpoint. First things first, if this week matters to you, you can wipe out any teams that play only one game Friday, Saturday, or Sunday of this week and just focus on teams that play two. So that wipes out Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, Detroit, Indiana, Milwaukee, New Orleans, Philadelphia, which is a shame because they were a 5-7 and seven a couple days ago, uh, Toronto, and Washington. Oh, no, Washington, excuse me. Washington has a, a rescheduled game mushed in there that's not on our beginning of the season streaming board. So not Washington. Otherwise, it's not that big of a deal what you do the rest of this weekend. Uh, there's a ton of teams that have two games the rest of the week. Depending on how many moves you have left, you could look at a team like Atlanta that has a back-to-back -back and then make another move on Sunday. Uh, Houston and San Antonio have a back-to-back -back Saturday, Sunday. Miami, Minnesota also go back-to-back -to -back today and tomorrow, as does Sacramento. So there's a few options for the end of this week, but you need to have next week in mind as well. So that should ace out Sacramento because, yes, they go back-to-back -back and then they have a game on Monday, but you'd have to make a move with your king on Tuesday of next week because they only have two games the rest of the week after that. So again, this is all the stuff you need to be looking for. If you're looking at Atlanta, that's actually a really interesting spot right now because not only do they go back-to-back -to -back today, tomorrow, they have a game Monday, Wednesday, and 
Friday, Saturday of next week. So this is actually a six games in nine days span for the Atlanta Hawks, allowing you the freedom to use a move next Sunday with a Hawk you picked up to abandon ship on that club because their schedule gets pretty very light after Saturday the 11th of March. Uh, and also allows you to not have to make a roster move with that streaming slot between today and the end of next week. That's a pretty sweet deal. But let's say you're just looking at the beginning of next week. Let's say you're not as worried about what's going on over the next three days. You've got things in pretty good shape. You sort of are who you are. At that point, you're looking for teams that go three games in the first four days or four games in six You're not even looking at the full seven because nobody next week goes five games in seven days. Teams that go four times in the first six days next week are the Atlanta Hawks, who we just talked about. They're as part of that six games in nine span. The Miami Heat, they're also, by the way, in a six game in nine span stretch starting tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks, whose schedule really doesn't get good until Monday because then they start a six game in nine day span. Uh, and I believe that's it for teams that go four games in six days next week. So those are the options that you have to start the week. If you wanted to go a little bit shorter and you wanted to make this sort of an abridged long stream, by the way, one thing that I always say, I I prefer not to go any shorter than four days on a streamer that you're picking up. If you go shorter than four days, you're going to end up using your roster moves likely too fast. So then you look at the beginning of next week and figure out if any teams go f- uh, three times, excuse me, in the first four days of the week, and it's actually just one club, and that's Milwaukee. The other teams that have four games in six days to start next week, like Atlanta, who we just talked about, and Miami, they actually have it with a back-to-back towards the back end of that, Friday, Saturday, March 10th and 11th. And so that's why you're sort of isolating your pieces now. So if you're looking towards next week and you're trying to power load the front end of your week, it's Milwaukee, which is obvious because they got a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday. But you might also look at Philadelphia and say, hey, they have a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday. I would caution you on Philly, number one, because there probably aren't that many streaming options on that club in a way that with Milwaukee, you know, you might be able to do something with like a Grayson Allen or a Pat Connaughton or someone can come out of the blue and be like a top 140 guy for that stretch. Or you aim a little longer if you like the pickup you're making. So that would be the Hawks. You know, if you could get your hands on, I don't know, Onyeka Okongwu, who probably got dropped in a few spots after one bad ball game, or if someone has dropped Sadiq Bey, who now moves into a better scheduling spot, or with Miami, Kevin Love, Gabe Vincent, who's on and off of waivers these days. Uh, There are better names, I would argue, on the Hawks and the Heat than there are on the Milwaukee Bucks. And so if you go with those clubs right now, not only do you get two games to finish out this week, with, by the way, an open Sunday, if if you had extra moves and you desperately wanted to try to add another game or two this weekend, like if you're in third place and you're trying to get up to a second place bye week or something like that, Not only do you have that flexibility, you also have the opportunity to save a ton of your moves until the very end of next week. That's a huge luxury because your opponent is probably not going to be able to do that. Your opponent is probably going to be using moves at some point early in the week. Uh, You'll be able to use yours earlier in the week if somebody gets hurt on your team. That gives you that flexibility. 
And if they don't, which, by the way, would be magic because everybody has somebody get hurt every week in the NBA these days. If they somehow manage to not get hurt, let's say only one guy gets hurt on your team and you have to make a roster move for that dude on, like, March 8th, Wednesday, you can carry your other three moves all the way to Sunday of next week. And we don't have to start talking about that yet, but a team like Denver ends up with five games in eight days starting on Sunday of next week. That's not perfect, but it's not a disaster. Uh, The Lakers have five games in eight days starting on Sunday of next week. Uh, Is there anybody else that's particularly interesting if we look that far ahead? Spurs, they have five and eight on Sunday of next week. So there are ways to play it through. Some of those teams also, by the way, have four and six if you wanted to do a little bit of a shorter stream there. There are ways to game this out where you're able to save your moves towards the end of the week to use on players who get hurt. And on that last day, which, by the way, Sunday of next week is not a super crowded day. I think it's like a seven or eight, seven gamer or something like that. You can go, you can add three-ish probably games to your week at the very end after you've already added a bunch at the beginning. So now you've turned those slots in your roster, whether it's three or four of them, whatever, if you're streaming three slots, you've turned those three roster slots into five games apiece. That's pretty awesome. Which, I mean, I don't know what those slots were going to be before. Probably like a four, a three, a three, or something like that. You can call it like three and a half on average. You were probably going to get about ten and a half to eleven games out of those slots, and you can turn it into fifteen. That's big. That is big, big, big in the playoffs. And you covered your butt on any zeros that could have taken you the other way. So that's the beginning of the long streaming discussion. We will be doing that on every show the rest of the way. Every show we do now from basically today until not the very last week, because you should not be having your playoffs go until the very end of the regular season, but until the week, at the one before that, so the penultimate Sunday of the NBA season, we will be doing these types of discussions where each show is going to be chopped up basically into the what happened yesterday and how can we use that to get better guys for our roto teams and then what's coming up, how can we do that to maximize our games played for head-to-head leagues because we're at a point now where on the head-to-head side, you're not making ads and drops unless it's adding games to your ledger. You're no longer looking for rest-of-season guys in head-to-head. You are looking to maximize games played. We will, however, still have our Monday reverse chronological lightning round. So we'll go backwards through the weekend, kind of reset you on every team on Monday shows, uh, but we will continue our long streaming discussion. There are going to be some days in there. I haven't done this for every day next week yet, but there are going to be some days where I point at you and I say don't make a move today I understand that I probably can't do that on the first Monday of the playoffs because some of you were fighting to get into the playoffs and then you end up with players that don't have a particularly good schedule next week like you might end up with a Chicago Bull because they had four games in six nights to end this week but then they only go twice and then three times so There are going to be a couple of situations where you need to just abandon ship on bad schedules early next week. But for the most part, after we deal with that on Monday or maybe Tuesday, 
I'm probably going to tell you guys not to do anything until at least Friday. So get ready for that. So don't get too excited about long streaming every single dis- every single day because there are going to be plenty where I'm like, don't do it. Save your moves. Unless someone gets hurt, don't do it. So that'll be the very short one. It's like, oh, did you have somebody get hurt? Here's a guy who has a good schedule for the next seven to nine days. Whew. That was a lot of talking, and I talked fast today. It's not typical for me. The baseball broadcaster in me wants to talk slow. Today we talk fast. Thank you for watching, everybody. It's really cool that every one of our uh, live shows now seems to be between 60 and 110 viewers. Um, And it was only a couple weeks ago that it was between like 30 and 50. So you guys are finding it. You guys are joining. And it uh, touches my heart. It touches my heart. I hope more of you on the recorded side will hop on over. But if you don't, I love you all the same. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, we've got a weekend preview to do over there. Um, again, the the all the data basically from today's show, minus the streaming schedule stuff, that's over on you, uh, Twitter as well. Um, we'll probably do some streaming discussions on social media as well. So another reason that you guys got to find me over on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do also check out our Discord. I think a few of you popped over into that yesterday. We've opened up a ton of chat rooms. I post a link to this show, the live one at least, when it comes out. And there's just a lot going on over there. We've got more of our pros in the mix. We've got more uh, sports in the mix on that side. And of course, the premium Discord users have unique and uh, very special access to the pros. There's a 24-7 pro Q&A thread that just goes all day, every day in Discord. It's a really cool feature of the Fantasy Pass, which also includes our baseball draft guide right now. And it's just $5.99. Someone asked me yesterday, what's the least they can do for me for all the stuff we're putting out? Well, like and subscribe is the least you can do. A Twitter follow is the least you can do. Uh, Getting a Fantasy Pass for one month is like the second least. It's $5.99. It's like nothing. Patreon folks are bugging you for that every month. Just do it one one time. You'll get the baseball draft guide. You get to finish out the season here. Just do it one time. Do it. Do it. All right. We'll see y'all.